We're talking drums, creating conversations with the world's top drummers in the most extreme genres. This episode is brought to you by Los Cabos Drumsticks, Canada's number one choice for drumsticks. They provide the wood you need to make the beats you deserve. Los Cabos Drumsticks. Now with your host, Corey Hoffing. Welcome to a brand new episode of the We're Talking Drums podcast. How are you guys doing? It has been quite a minute. I just got back from about six weeks on the road. We had did four weeks in the United States supporting Glory Hammer and Ailstorm. And thank you guys for having us out. That was absolutely fucking amazing. Such a great experience was a lot of driving and absolutely exhausting, but the shows were worth it. The fans were worth it. You guys were incredibly nice to us, and I cannot wait to get back to the United States and play for all of you because it was absolutely amazing. The warm welcome we got as an independent band, our first tour ever, it was absolutely sick. So thank you guys so much. And second of all, thank you to all our European fans. You guys were incredible. Showing up to our our first time in Germany and Belgium, and you show up with our shirts on. Like, it was mind-blowing for us. Uh, Again, independent band, and you guys are showing us so much support, and we are so thankful for that. So if you are a fan of Lotharo and you're here for the first time, you know, like, thank you very much for tuning in and supporting the pod. And if you don't know my band Lotharo, then check us out, lotharo.com. And we're on all the socials you can find us, but all the links will be on our website. So head over there and check out everything we got. We also have our own podcast, which we will be starting back up as soon as everybody is back in the country. Uh, that's Live, Laugh, the Thorough. But we have many episodes out already, so you can check that out. And yeah, I think we should get into this week's podcast, maybe. Is there anything else? Oh, Patreon. If you want to support the podcast in a financial manner, uh, it's only two dollars Canadian, which is like a buck fifty or a euro fifty. So that's it. A month, you get all the episodes early. I am really, really hoping to set up some very special things for our Patreon members because you guys are absolutely amazing and so supportive, and I love it. It helps me do everything that needs to be done here. So thank you. Uh, And secondly, if you just want to support the podcast uh, in a way that helps us grow, it's please share uh, our episodes with all your friends, share on all the social medias, you know, uh, Instagram, we're at We're Talking Drums. So please tag us, tag our guests, share like subscribe whatever we got all this on youtube i'm trying to do all these episodes and video as well so we can get on youtube i know you need to do it nowadays it's it's exhausting and i do everything myself here and i absolutely am not complaining because i love it and i've made some amazing friends by doing this podcast so I I can't wait to dive back into it and hopefully be doing these more and more since I am home for a little bit of time now. So if you 
uh, would like to be a guest or you can you want to suggest a drummer to come on uh, the podcast, then please send me a DM uh, on Instagram or on Facebook and we'll make it happen. If you're old school, use email. We got we're talking drums at gmail.com so you can send us whatever you want there, you know? Ah, okay. I think that's it. I think I'm getting I'm I'm very, very rusty at at this thing at this point. So thank you for bearing with me. This week's guest, very, very, very special guest. This is his second time on the podcast. We got together when he was kind of at the start of his tour in Toronto at the Phoenix Concert Theater, and it was an absolute pleasure to sit down and hang out with him. Not saying who it is, even though you know who it is. Uh, This was their first tour back after uh, tragically losing their vocalist, uh, we we touch on that a little bit, but the biggest thing is moving forward. They are uh, I, I am so excited for everything they're doing. I, I I don't even want to talk about it anymore. We talk about how he broke his pedals and he has to fix them, and there's nerdy drum stuff in there too. Okay, so don't worry, all you drum nerds. We talk about pedal settings. Okay, finally, I know that's all you guys want. You just want to know everyone's pedal settings. Well, guess, spoiler, it's not very exciting, So, <laughs> but it's in here, so take a listen. You can find out everything you need to know. This is my talk with the one and only Alan Cassidy from the Black Dahlia Murder. Alan Cassidy, welcome to another episode of We're Talking Drums, second time. Uh, how you doing, man? How's the tour going? It's great. Uh, we are only about a week and a half into this, and um, uh, all of the shows have been pretty great so far. Uh, people are, you know, excited to see us, which is great. Um, it's uh, awesome for us to just get back out and do things again um, because this is like the first tour that we've done since uh, the fall of 2021. Um, so it's been about a year and a half since we've gone out and done anything. And then it was a year before that last tour that we had done anything. Um, so this is a weird time period for the band of like a lot of inconsistent activity, which is like not something we're used to. Um, but to, yeah, get out there again, have all these people out here and, and cheering us on and excited to have us back. It makes us, you know, uh, really happy and um yeah i played a couple of sold out shows and they were pretty energetic detroit one was like really awesome and everyone was stoked and that was sold out but uh yeah so it's going pretty good and looking forward to you know seeing how it all unfolds yeah man because last time we talked it was right after that first tour back after the covid stuff and it was like insane like you were talking about how amazing the shows were and stuff like that. And now you're kind of in this like new era of the band and it's really awesome. Uh, the support you guys have gotten, like just seeing it online, seeing some of the shows sold out, everything like that. Like everybody's totally on board. And you know, the fact that Ryan Knight now has come back into the band, like that's, I, I'm excited 
for tonight's show to see him play live with you guys again because like the lineup you guys have now is like fucking killer so yeah and we're definitely excited to have him back in the band and uh it's been really cool uh hearing him um trade off solos with brandon and kind of uh you know just hear how they can um work off of each other now together and uh just yeah having two lead guitar players is uh really gonna open some shit up and and yeah you'll be watching them trade some solos tonight and uh yeah it's it's been really cool um and i'm excited to just you know see where that leads us yeah, man, and uh, assuming some new tunes in the near future. We, so. yeah, there's there's stuff being kicked around, and uh, it's uh, it's sounding pretty awesome so far. So that's about all I can say on that. But you know, get excited. <laughs> yeah, get get stoked. It's gonna happen. All right. Yeah, that's sick, man. Yeah, like you guys uh, were. I think it was two nights ago. I guess you played your hometown. Uh, like Detroit show, uh, but before that you did one comeback show in Detroit, right? Like yeah, that yeah. was like just like a one-off. Boom! What, what kind of feeling was that to get back on stage now, having Brian as the front man, you know, and having like that was sold out. Like how, like what kind of feeling was that to for you to get back up there and do that with everything that's kind of happened in the last uh, couple of years? Um, it was obviously like a mix of emotions because it was like to, to come back, you know, to play that show, it wasn't so much about like the, we've been, you know, forced by the world to kind of stop. And, and as soon as we can get back out there with everybody, we're going to go do it. Now it was like. Well, we had to take off time because we lost, you know, our singer. And um, so, you know, there was the one side of it that's like, we're really happy to be carrying on and doing uh, a show for the first time in forever. But we're happy to be doing that at all because, you know, for a second there, we weren't really sure how we were going to uh, deal with that situation. And, um, uh, so yeah, that, and then, and then of course, like coming back for the first time in forever and with, you know, uh, Ryan back in the band and then, uh, Brian moving on to vocals, that was a whole new ball game. Like, uh, Ryan or no, Brandon and, uh, Ryan, yeah. Had to learn, backing vocals that they didn't do really as much mm-hmm. and uh Brian had to learn all the lyrics and then Ryan and Brandon both had to learn uh different guitar parts of all these songs that they've already played but it was like their opposite you know uh guitar parts yeah and and so it was it was really scary i felt like because you know for having everybody be in the band previously, it was just all new roles for them kind of like in, in certain ways. And, uh, so yeah, to get back up on stage and, and play a show, uh, with this new scenario and 
also, you know, the, the outpour of support from people after this, uh, happened and like after we made the announcement that we were going to carry on with Brian on vocals and and that being so super positive that was great and that definitely made us feel better but like still when you get on on stage you just don't know like how it's how people are going to react and that was just like overwhelmingly positive and um uh and everybody was just like super supportive of uh yeah our, our basically our first comeback and um so yeah there was a lot of emotions and a lot of just kind of like i feel a general anxiety about everything all those different levels you yeah, know? yeah but man overall i think it went really well and it it just made us like more excited to, to try and carry on and keep doing this you know yeah I know, because when, when everything came out with Trevor and everything, and, like, the last time we talked, because uh, I went back and re-listened to our conversation uh, not too long ago, and I was talking about how I feel like Black Dahlia Murder, you know, it, in my mind, is one of those legacy bands. And when that happened, I was just like, no, no. Like, they, they have to be, like, a cannibal corpse that it goes for 40 years you know like yeah like no it's like can't be happening and then when the announcement came with brian stepping in i was like this is like makes the most logical sense like for him to step in as front man he's been there since the beginning you know like it's his band so like i i was super pumped uh that you guys uh made that choice to continue uh, and then getting back Ryan Knight, you know, get bringing old members back in. Uh, dude, I can't imagine how challenging that, that would be uh, to like learn. You already know all the songs, and then you have to relearn the song, but certain parts you're learning differently. And it's like, uh, it, dude, that, that'd be really difficult uh, for him to step in and do that. But yeah, dude, I, you mentioned earlier in the day that uh, they might be doing some like cool harmony type stuff now together. Yeah, live. Yeah, it's uh, yeah they've been trading off uh, sections of the uh, funeral thirst solo, and uh, yeah, they have a little uh, harmonized part at the end of uh, "I Will Return," like the album. Um, and uh yeah there's a few other things but it's it's pretty awesome to just like see it done with two guitar players cuz you know like they were always able to like hit a pedal or whatever but it's not the same as like the whole theatrics of yeah. it you know and like Brian was always like rhythm player yeah. like he had tight as fuck rhythms but he was always rhythms and then you had your specific like the traditional sense of rhythm and lead guitar players now you have two guys that are absolute shredders like, dude, I, I think the future, you're just going to be unstoppable. Like, I, I can't wait for this new stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, yeah, the potential is, like, so much at this point. And, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to see where it goes, too. Yeah. All right. We've been talking about guitar players way too much. <laughs> uh, perfect. What are you drinking? So I got this... Uh, beer it's called uh master of extremity pale ale and it's from bone up brewing company um i believe we got this in uh cleveland um our uh merch guy many tours ago uh was um coming through or no he was at home he lives in ohio 
And uh, we came through, and he was so gracious to uh, pay for a case of beer for us. And so, like, at the bar, we just got to, like, pick out a whole variety pack. Oh, and, nice. Uh, yeah, so this just happened to be one of them. Yeah. Okay, so that's a pale ale. What is your type of beer of choice? Are you an IPA guy? Do you like a, a stout? I am or? I am an IPA guy. Like that's primarily what I'm into and uh I'm kind of like middle of the road in terms of beers. Like I can't drink stuff that's too light like a pills. It just it doesn't do it for me. I'm not like about the flavor. It's too watered down and then mm-hmm. depending on like what kind of a stouter reporter I can sometimes get into it, but then that's almost just too heavy and dark for me. Right. So I need like a good middle, like it's got some body and it's got a little bit more viscosity maybe, um, but... A little citrusy or like uh, flowery fragrance to it. Yeah. You know, like... And uh, yeah, the citrus thing is a a big deal for me because I like Hefeweizens as well. okay. And yeah, uh, yeah, there's a really uh, orangey... And, um, yeah, like some blondes and Belgians are cool. I like red mm-hmm. beers, but IPA is like my go-to. And I'd say like, uh, out of Michigan, there is a company there called Bells and, uh, they okay. have a beer called, uh, Two Hearted and, um, it's, uh, it's got like a label that has uh, a trout on it. And, um, it's like a international, maybe just national, I'm not sure, but like multi award winner. And so it's like always really well rated. And that's like, I think one of my favorite IPAs that I've had and can like get regularly. Yeah. Like we have so many microbrews and like, um, craft breweries and stuff like that here, like especially Southern Ontario, uh, I there's no way I could ever pick a favorite. My go-to is yeah. always uh, Goose Island IPA because oh, okay. they used to have that on tap at a lot of bars here. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, if I can get Draft IPA, like, hell yeah. But now there's just there's so much selection, like it's insane. It's yeah, and that's another thing that is great and sucks at the same time because you're either never gonna get the same beer again because uh, maybe it's like a, a small batch or whatever you just might not go to that place again and have it but um, also yeah you just never know exactly what's going to be great and so you're always wanting yeah. to like try new stuff and so it's always a shot in the dark as to whether or not like it's going to be something you enjoy and yeah and then you're just getting full off a of crappy beer but at least you had it <laughs> at least you tried it right Yeah, I don't know I, I don't think I've ever gone wrong with an IPA like most of the time it's going to be good. Like, I will say for as much of a fan as I am with them, uh I have absolutely had a good number of really bad ones that I didn't care for. Like it was just it was way too hoppy or it was like I love the hops. Though. It's good but like just not when it's overpowering. Like I feel like there needs to be a good balance of like citrus if you're going to make it really hoppy or mm. you know just probably don't take it to that level of like you can almost see the ground up pine cones that are in here <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, uh, yeah definitely had some extremely hazy ipas yeah there's something and you it's because like 
uh, right now, like I, I'm not drinking, and so I, I do enjoy having beers though. And so when we're on the road or anything like that, like I'd like to get non-alcoholic beers. So at least I can like pretend like I'm partying or like I'm one of the team. Uh, and they've actually got some really good non-alcoholic IPAs now. When nice. Before, like the non-alcoholic stuff was like garbage, absolute garbage. So, yeah, I'm stoked. And I never liked sours, ever. Like, I hated sour beers, and they were huge couple years back. Like, everybody was had their own sour and everything. It was like, uh, it's disgusting. But I tried non-alcoholic sour, and it was pretty delicious. Interesting. Yeah, it was great, because the non-alcoholic ones, you get zero aftertaste. Oh, so, okay. it like, but with the sour, it still lingers a bit. I don't know like what the difference is there, but they're like so flavorful that I'm like, okay, I can just sip on this and it's fine. The other ones, it's just like drinking water, right? With yeah. a little bit of beer taste. And it's just like, eh, it's not that great, but you know. Well, I'm definitely happy that they're stepping up their game for, you know, all the responsible people that still want to kind of like have that, you know, flavor of, uh, an adult beverage, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, never never tried it before. It's interesting though that the the flavors change like between you know non alcoholic and regular. Yeah, yeah, I think the alcohol is a big uh, yeah big thing maybe. in there. You maybe. know, <laughs> like, like it's the main point of why they started doing it in the first place. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fuck. Uh, all right, well, fuck. Should we talk about drums? Maybe? Yeah, man. What you got? Yeah. I don't know. You're having trouble with your pedal settings there. Oh, <laughs> you know, yeah, right. So, yeah. So, let's get into that, and then we'll see where it goes. Right. <laughs> so, I just spent probably about an hour taking my entire uh, Demon Drive pedal apart, like, um, from... I mean, just down to almost every screw on there and pulled out the bearings and stuff because this thing was squeaking like crazy. I mean, it was so loud that if you didn't have the house sound on and you were just hearing me like acoustically hit the drum with the pedal, the squeak is almost going to be as loud as the fucking uh, hitting the drum. Yeah, yeah. I I heard it in the backstage when we were playing with it and I was like, yeah, that's... That's not good. You're going to pick that up in the overheads, even when you're playing. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was loud. Yeah, definitely yeah. to some extent. But um, I've had that pedal for about 12 years. I uh, got it, I think, in, like, 2011. And uh, I hadn't done a whole lot of maintenance on it. And it's just been on, like, so many tours. And um, just gotten covered in sweat, dust, dirt you know uh everything and and it it was just getting into all the joints and like some of them are rusted definitely just never really thought to take it apart and try and like actually clean it and maintain it because i'm just right. like hey if it's still working it's working but um yeah. i'm the same way my like i took mine off and actually like clean the dust off of it and i was like this is disgusting i should do this more often uh, yeah right? yeah like, the level of stuff that didn't come off with the uh air duster um is disturbing <laughs> yes it is you need some like serious like like wipes and like uh fully clean it off yeah like, submerge it in some kind of cleaner like, yeah absolutely to, yeah give it a bath 
But we got it all figured out. It just turned out to be a fucking uh, squeaky direct drive, like, uh, bearing or whatever. And uh, and it was funny because, like, I had already done this, you know, years ago and just fucking uh, didn't solve the problem. So I really wasn't expecting uh, this to work. And I also thought it was going to be the uh, heel plate because that was, like, the thing that I didn't do the last time that I did this. And um, nope turned out to be one of the things i went over and now it works but you know i'm not complaining we fig- we figured it out and it's it's all good <laughs> yeah man now you're laughing you don't need to worry about it uh what uh what are your pedal settings everybody always asks i when i when i talk to people i'm like all right i'm talking to this guy do you have any questions or that guy whatever and everybody's like ask them about their pedal settings no oh, yeah. everybody's just like what are their pedal settings? Because how do they play so fast? You know, right? So and the, I I know what they are, and I've talked to everybody about it, and it changes between every single person, you know, right? And I have the most boring answer for you, and that is like literally stock settings. It's Done. that's it. It comes out of the box, and they have it uh, where the direct drive is on one of the certain um, like cam positions and then like uh or, or whatever that is I, I don't variable lever thing on the axis i guess and uh yeah and then the cam is set up on a certain one and the spring tension is like down around the first or second notch and literally you just pull it out of the box it's like completely ready to go and i have messed around with it in the past and changed a bunch of it just to see how i felt and i just kept it the way it was because i was like that is literally like what i'm pretty much used to and looking for and and uh yeah how easy can that be you know just pull it right out and play and you're good and you're good that's it because <laughs> like i dude i've i've had times where i was not happy with my playing so i'm like you know what it can't be me it's got to be the pedal yeah. You know? So I go and I start adjusting everything and like put the footboard up, put the footboard down, loosen off the spring, tighten the spring, like changing everything. And then I end up going back to the same settings I had before. And it's like, no, I just have to practice more. Yeah. That's all this boils down to. It really, right? yeah, it, it, it really feels like if I'm not doing well, that there's got to be a way to like just, you know, yeah, fix it uh within the settings or something but yeah it just it feels worse to then start trying to play other things that you're comfortable with on a different setting and and then kind of finding that that's like not feeling right now but the thing that you wanted to fix is like better but um you know yeah i i always kind of feel that it's like it's got to be something about my technique or it's got to be like just a tricky sort of passage deal that you're just gonna have to really um build the the coordination and the chops for you know that's it and once you get the muscle memory for the settings that you have Mm -hmm. like if you change something then your muscles react differently to it right like if you tighten your springs right up it's uh you're using a lot different muscles kind of to the more sometimes more to push down your pedals so you're not going to have the same muscle memory there as you did when they're a little looser or vice versa yeah right like your muscles really like keep that in if you practice enough with the same settings then you know you should be fine right and i'm i'm a big creature of habit in terms of uh 
the way that I play with my setups and stuff. Like I, mm. I can deal to an extent with like certain things, but uh, I would say that you know, like even using shoes, it's is kind of weird. Like I just uh, had to buy like new drumming shoes. I use the like uh, Puma Super Ligas. Yeah. And um and then I also like to use the Adidas Sambas. Those are like the best for doing swivel technique for me. And um yeah, but if I was to use like some other shoe, it it kind of throws you off because of, like the difference in the thickness. Oh yeah, and, big time. Um and even like the the soles of them, you know, like uh I've noticed that the Super Ligas for some reason are really good about staying slick for a long time whereas okay. the uh sambas will wear down in the in the center like rather quickly and they'll also get a little bit sticky as you yeah you as know. they wear down the the rubber gets softer yeah 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 and, i'm dealing with that right now because i used to use vans oh okay and yeah just like the low cut like flat sole vans and like i used to use these like Reebok running shoes and they worked okay, but they were never that comfortable. And then on tour, I just, my everyday vans, I just went up during sound check and I was like, you know what? These feel great. I'm going to yeah. use these. And then I had to start using my like shoes. I go for like jogs with like running as my everyday shoes. So yeah. And actually I, I've sat down at the kit with these on just my everyday shoes and they feel pretty good too. I don't know. And they have like a nice cushy sole. So it's like, I'm like doing a double kick on a cloud. Right. You know? like it's it's kind of nice. I don't think I'd want to do shows in them, but uh, just like sitting down and playing is like, ah, oh, this is actually like super comfortable. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's funny that uh, drummer for Gorguts, um, he was talking to me uh, when we were playing at the Philly uh, Metal and Beer Fest and like, um, he was like, oh, these are your shoes? Like talking about like my slip-ons and yeah. they're all like torn as shit and you can see on the bottom that like the see this would work great man they're they're the whole bottom is like you know yeah blown exactly. out now that's what mine's starting to look like now i might need to buy a new pair before tour but right but like i was like oh no these aren't these aren't my shoes like they're, they're too beat up and and uh just don't really feel comfortable and he's like well i got mine on and he's like wearing these fucking like walmart dad slippers <laughs> and I was like, oh, ha, 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 funny joke. And he's like, no, for real. Like, they feel great. Yeah, <laughs> and I was no, like, no. wow, well, I mean, at least you found something that works. It is, like, probably pretty comfortable. So yeah. <laughs> I've done sound check in sandals before. And I don't think I could do a whole show in them, but uh, it worked. Yeah. It worked for sound check. So, yeah, it's not like uh, Kembenenny who... Uh, oh, uses the Crocs dude. every night now. Like, it started out as... I think he did one show as a joke, and then now it's just the whole tour. He's just he wears Crocs on That's stage. That's insane. Yeah, and he's one of the fastest fucking guys right. in the world. And he's just like, yeah, fuck it. Whatever. I'd like to know what their like durability is like because I mean they're just basically straight rubber. So you probably got yeah. like an inch and a half or something of like straight rubber. So you're never yeah. gonna like you know blow through the bottom of those. No, no, I don't think so. You're probably um, pretty good. Like. Might end up with like some sort of high heel scenario where like the oh, <laughs> front yeah. is like lower yeah. than the heel, but yeah, I ended uh, up with that with one pair where I just had like a, a divot 
in one. So when I put oh. it on the pedal, it's like now it feels weird. Okay, it's not yeah. flat anymore. Uh-huh. So I had I just stopped using those. The DB drum shoes. You ever had a pair yeah, of those? I was about to say that's exactly the same scenario I had yeah. where it was uh it wore down in one spot somewhere in the uh the ball of the foot and then yep. it kind of changed the whole uh, feel of of being flat on the pedal. Yeah, yeah, and then the company doesn't exist anymore, so you can't get them. And I'm like, I was Ugh. real surprised about that because they seemed like they were everybody's like drum shoe of choice. But I think everybody went and bought a pair, and then they're like, okay, like how often do you need to buy drum shoes? Realistically, well. Uh, man, I mean, yeah, if, if you're not going to be like practicing all the time, I would say that I'd be a great customer because, uh, I think I wore mine down fairly quickly. Had to have been like maybe six to eight months tops. And then I kind of got that weird spot. Yeah. And so you'd be like once a year, like at a yearly subscription to them would probably like work pretty well. Yeah, and I mean, I'd probably buy some fucking multiple pairs for, like, okay, I got some for tour, I got some for my house, I, yeah. you know, whatever, but, um, yeah, I, I was surprised when I heard that they went under because they seemed to be doing so well, and also, like, it was, um, it took a minute to get used to, but they felt, you know, pretty good, and it felt like it was a good answer to, like, the question of, yeah, what do we use to, to play drums in you know right yeah and now the other companies that have popped up i've purchased one pair and i think i played them like three or four times and i'm like i just can't can't do it it just doesn't feel right the rubber grip on it it's like it's too much yeah so it like doesn't work for swivel i i immediately just saw the rubber wearing off onto my pedals and i'm yeah. like yeah this isn't gonna work for me <laughs> like they'd be okay if you're doing like double strokes or something like exactly not a big deal but i don't know it's just not the same it's just like it's just a piece of rubber and then mesh that's all they were yeah yeah the yeah DB drum shoes were amazing yeah. Yeah. And, but I don't know. I mean, like, just finding anything that works for you is good. If it works, it works. But, like, I'm also kind of glad, though, that, like, the uh, Adidas and the Pumas, like, they're just well made shoes, so they're not going to fall apart. And, like, you know, uh, but it, it, it uh, you know, it definitely feels good for like what i'm doing the they're thin enough you can feel the pedals but like they're they're like well made and durable and like uh yeah just uh last for a while yeah you would never go to uh the steel toe boots uh, oh jesus uh no i i have no idea what it takes to get to that point i mean i guess it's just practice but like why you know like i'm not in a black metal band and i'm not trying to be super hard so right i think i'll just i'll try and pick the comfort over the look <laughs> yeah exactly man like i'd play in like some some high tops or like nikes or something like that if you know if that was the look of the band right, yeah, right. like sure but never like those massive boots man those black metal guys they're fucking crazy, man. Yeah, well, I mean, props to them if they can fucking play some insane speeds while wearing that shit. Like, right? Yeah, I don't. Staying true. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, that's the biggest part. Yeah. <laughs> Practicing my jeans and my fucking steel toes every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, I'm glad I don't play black metal in Norway, I guess. Yeah, for right? real. Yeah. No, man. I Playing death metal, uh, you could kind of do whatever you want. 
Yeah. There's no like set thing. There's no like costumes you need to wear on stage or anything. Like uniform bands are like yeah, not my favorite. I mean, it's cool to, it's cool to see them do it, but I just don't want to deal with it because I'm like I like to show up in just my shorts and fucking a t-shirt if I want to and yeah. and not have to worry about like the makeup, the fucking the stage clothes that you probably have to wear every day, you yeah. know, if you're going to do that. I like a set of stage clothes. Personally, I like it. I like knowing what pants, what shirt I'm going to wear. Maybe I have multiple pairs of them, but I like changing out of my regular clothes into my stage clothes. It's like almost putting on an outfit just to mentally prepare for going on stage. Right? Yeah. Like for me, it helps me get into like, then I start warming up. Like first thing I put my stage clothes on and then I start warming up and then I like get into the zone preparing for that rather than like just like walking in like right out of bed on the stage. Like, yeah. That, that, that's never worked for me. I like to be in the zone uh, mentally to hit the stage. So yeah, that makes sense. And it, it just, yeah, helps you with like the routine aspect of it. But yeah, um, yeah I'm just, I'm just basketball shorts and t-shirt. You know, yeah. like, I switch. From, I used to be shorts all the time. I switched to pants. I wear jeans now. Oh my god! I wear jeans on stage, and for some reason, I fucking love it. That's I love so it. crazy. Yeah. Like hold, like rip the knees out of them, but super tight black stretchy jeans. Love it. I love it to death, man. And then like sleeveless shirt, like super low cut. Like that's that's my look. You know. Okay. So. Well, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad that works because, like, dude, I am a, I think I run hot, like I run extra hot. So it's yeah. like if I wear pants by like the third song, I'm probably gonna be drenched in sweat. Yeah, like it does not take much for me to you know break into a sweat, but that would just like you know really speed up the process. Oh yeah, dude! Like I started doing it last summer. Uh, I was on. I was playing drums for this band, Striker, and like we were playing these small venues in Spain, and it was fucking hot. But I kind of I I liked it. I liked how much I was sweating. It was like getting that extra workout in mm-hmm. every day. Like playing drums is already a workout, but you know, like burning those extra calories. Definitely losing the water weight, bit, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's all just water weight. That's yeah. it, right? Yeah, I got to replenish after the show, but yeah, I don't know, man. I I just I just loved it. And then you get those after show pictures, and you know. Wearing cool jeans. That's really why I do it. I right? yeah yeah. Like, was, you gotta look cool in front of all the babes. You know? For sure. Yeah. But I just think about the swamp ass that I'm gonna have and like oh, just big the time. Yeah. whole back of my pants just being like drenched and having to walk around like But that know? happens in shorts anyways. That's what that's, I found. That's true. Like they, they get drippy. That's the worst part. Yeah, they get drippy yeah, and like the the pants at least are a little bit more absorbent, but uh yeah, like, still, I, fuck, I would almost be in a Speedo, like, <laughs> I said I was gonna do that this next tour, yeah. I'm gonna just rock a banana hammock the whole tour on stage, <laughs> all day long, like, that's it. Right. Yeah, no, I'm not bringing any other clothes. And then, uh, then you just got your one little thing to hang on the hanger and Done. dry in 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, perfect, man. Yeah, just put it out in the sun, she's good to go. How does the band feel? They Do they support this? I don't know. I don't, uh, I don't know how down they are. I think they they said yeah, like absolutely that'd be hilarious, but I don't think they realize that three days in, 
Like I'm, and I'm still going to be doing it. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, we have like a month and a half together, and this is all I'm planning on wearing. So, and he yeah. just keeps wearing them after the show, and he won't put clothes on. Yeah, it's just like the the joke's over, man. Yeah, it's, like, it's not funny anymore. Listen, you know? I found a new lifestyle, and I love it. Exactly. That's why, dude. I've never been to Florida, right? So this is yeah. where all this stems from. Is I've never been to the southeast coast. Just for some reason, none of the tours hit there. I didn't vacation or anything like that. So we're playing Myrtle Beach, and then we're playing Tampa. And I'm like, okay, I I I need to go all out for this. You know? Oh yeah. I know there's no like nobody wears speedos down there. It's a European thing. But I, in my head, I'm like. That's going to be smart. I'm going to just rock a Speedo the whole fucking time. There you it's go. It's going to be sick. Myrtle Beach, go play some mini putt. Just rocking the Speedo. It'll be awesome. You're going to have a lot of new bug bites in places that you don't normally get them. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll rethink this whole plan. <laughs> yeah, dude. Because, man, Florida does not fuck around with those bugs. Like, those mosquitoes are ruthless down there. But we should be hitting it, like, this is next month. We should be hitting it before bug season really hits. Yeah. Or is that, like, all year round in well, Florida? I don't Florida, know. Florida, yeah, for sure. Because, like, I mean, it gets it gets a little bit cold, but it's not nearly enough to uh, do anything about, like, the overall population down there. Like, Michigan, you're cool. I mean, like, it's very, it's very humid and, and marshy there. Um, but, like... Uh, winter comes and then you know like you yeah at a certain point during the year the mosquitoes inevitably return but yeah in florida i think it's like they just lessen for a little bit and then yeah. they come back out like in droves when they need to or when they want yeah. to it's just like waves of them throughout the year you yeah know? it's like more and then just a little less and then more again like yeah, yeah i don't think it ever goes away down there uh I am, dude, I am excited though. Like, even though Florida has uh, some crazy people and stuff, but yeah, uh, you know, some we'll great, some great bands out there though. Lots yeah, of yeah, just metal. a couple. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> like the entire Florida death metal scene, like yeah. legendary. Yeah, man. Yeah, you get you guys will have fun. That's um, uh, it's a cool place. It's got some. I mean, lots of different scenery, um, and. Uh, yeah, good good cities to play in too. Yeah, um, you guys are on tour for a while here. This is a pretty pretty decent size North American tour. Like you guys are what like five six weeks? Uh, yeah, it's about six weeks, and yeah. this is the first time we've done Canada in forever. Yeah, fuck. When was the last? I can't even remember the last time you guys were here. It was. To be honest, I want to say it was uh, twenty. 18 yeah uh, and um man and the last time we came in <laughs> um we had gotten cocky from years of uh you know smuggling in weed and oh, uh no. so like we had some weed pens and um we left one of them <laughs> on a, a windowsill like if you've ever been in a uh, bandwagon you know like the yeah, the yeah, windowsill yeah. over the couch like has a lip that's about maybe like an inch and a half high and uh there's like a, a thing that you know 
is below it and you can hide stuff on there. And, uh, so first thing that happens is like when the, uh, border patrol comes in, they found that and they walked in the office and they were like, all right, we found a weed pen. And if anybody else has anything, you got to tell us now, or like, we're going to arrest everybody. And, uh, I was like, son of a bitch. So it was like me, Trevor and Brian, that got busted. And, um, they they gave us a slap on the wrist thank god and oh, like fuck. thank you uh yeah like put it god on damn. put it on record though and today we got in with like pretty much zero issues we haven't been here in like you know close to 5 years or something but yeah. uh but yeah just rolled up and they looked at all of our passports and then they, of course they left me and Brian for like the last two people to be called up but yeah. like you know no issues didn't ask us a, anything and and was just like all right see you later so yeah glad to be back glad to be back hassle free hopefully we're we're only here for toronto and then montreal and then we go to uh we go back into the states and then we loop around uh going down like the east coast and then over to the west um and then come back up through vancouver i want to say and then we're going to do like edmonton Calgary, Calgary. Um, and you guys got Winnipeg on there too. Yeah, and uh, yeah. so so we're we're definitely making up for lost time, or we're trying to, anyways. I know we're not hitting all of the, you know, uh, all of Canada that we normally do, but like uh, you're hitting a lot. Like if you're playing Winnipeg, then you know you're hitting pretty much every everywhere that you need to. Yeah, no the Regina only, on this though. Yeah. No know, Regina, no. <laughs> No Ottawa or Quebec City, but yeah, it's yeah. on. It's rare that anyone plays like tours to Ottawa or Quebec City anymore. Really, sadly, like yeah, like they don't get a lot of tours up there. Everyone just comes to Toronto, Montreal, then they dip down to New York or whatever, hmm. or like back out to Michigan. But most tours, that's that's the way it goes. And yeah. the important part is we're just here at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're actually here in Canada, and it's sick. Yeah. And, yeah. But, fuck, yeah, that's a pretty long tour for the first, like, run back. I guess you're like, all right, we're going to go all out. Might as well, right? Yeah, and, yeah, it was, I mean, like, part of it was, I think, because, like, again, the lack of Canada shows that we had done in in all these years, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, 2018 probably wouldn't have been a big deal if 2020 didn't happen, you know? Right, yeah. But, um, and we probably would have been back at that point. But, uh, yeah, then just, you know, every weird thing the universe could throw at us happened. And, uh, so, yeah, now we're back. And then, and it's, it's like, I know Brian's been practicing a bunch, uh, but, yeah, I was kind of like, man, yeah, six weeks is a big deal for somebody who's like doing vocals like full time to be yeah. doing and uh, going from just some backing vocals to like, all right, you're the front man. Six weeks on, yeah, but that's I, fucking crazy. I think he's got it. I think he's had plenty of time to get conditioned and ready to go. And yeah. and uh, yeah, like I said, we're about a week and a half into this, and he doesn't show any signs of like slowing down. So that's sick. It's yeah. cool, and like yeah, and it's it's good to just be back doing this and and getting to do a long one and and uh, you know play some festivals too. We're playing that um, 
what was it the modified ghost festival in uh, oh, sick. uh vancouver yeah yeah and that one's always sick man i've wanted to fly out to to see that so many times like yeah last couple of years couple of years i think they've done it it's been fucking awesome so it's yeah. kind of a recent thing like i think haven't... i want to say that it is like it's only been maybe it was pre-pandemic but i specifically remember last year was fucking the lineup was sick nice so yeah yeah, I'm not sure who's all on our day, but yeah, there's a lot of good bands on the um, flyer. But yeah, so yeah, just getting to go out and, like I said, do this again and 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 actually like, yeah, get a chance to settle in and stuff. It is a little bit long, but like, I mean, I think we've had plenty of time off. So yeah, do you guys got any plans for Europe? Um, we are not really uh, planning on doing anything um with them just yet and we're kind of like for as much as we are uh you know wanting to do right now i think we're still kind of trying to like ease into this and uh yeah i mean this is a great like uh what do you call it like not experimental tour but just kind of like a test the waters kind of thing and just like see how it all goes but um yeah, we're we're keeping it we're keeping it pretty light this year and Europe is not um something that we're looking to do yet. So, sorry everybody. <laughs> yeah, sorry Europe. <laughs> Maybe next year. <laughs> maybe if you were just north of America, you could have come and seen us. <laughs> yeah, maybe if it wasn't such a hassle every time with fuck dude, I've known so many bands last year like talking to the Cattle Decap guys, their Europe adventure was quite the shit show really yeah dude flying in the last couple years over to europe with gear and everything i've gotten very lucky with all the flights overseas and everything like that's been great but dude just an absolute disaster like losing gear like airlines are out to lunch now they just don't know anything like (laughs) they don't know what's going on like it's it's a mess so you're you know at least you don't have to deal with that stress because yeah dude every time we fly now it's like is our gear gonna make it oh yeah get those air tags man oh we do we do (laughs) but it's like you're sitting on the plane you're like okay and then you see them move over to the plane you're like okay sick we know everything is on board now yeah we're safe we're (laughs) deep window seats just to confirm yeah but (laughs) but yeah like uh yeah it's nice i mean I have the exact same setup pretty much in Europe that I do here, like same dimension kit. Um, but yeah, nothing beats like having your own stuff. And when I go to Europe though, I take like pretty minimal shit. Like we have a whole, you know, uh, kit with the shells and the hardware and the rack and everything. Um, and all I bring are like cymbals, pedals, um, my, mixer sampler uh for and and like my module they all ride in the same case yeah and that's pretty much it yeah so it's it's light i mean it's it's still kind of a bit but um it makes things a hell of a lot like simpler and uh yeah like i mean if you can own any of your own shit anywhere else if you're like a semi-professional band and are going to be going around places like definitely just buy a back line like you know <laughs> yeah it's a way to go like 
The um, the nice thing too though is uh, I play with Mapex drums and they deal with certain backline companies in Europe. So oh, if sure. I give enough uh, head time, like a uh, like couple months out from a tour, then they can set up to have a kit from the backline company, you know? And then it's like, yeah. okay, anything other gear-wise that the band needs, we just have to go through that backline company. And then everything can just meet us at the first venue and we're all set. Yeah. Right? Like, it's, it's pretty sick. And I'll say, like, free stuff is always nice. Right. When you're looking at endorsements and, you know, all that type of stuff. But the biggest thing about having an endorsement deal with a drum kit company or anything like that is getting loaner gear when you're when you have to fly out somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've flown out for studio sessions and uh, they made sure that I had a loaner kit in that city for using in the studio. Or like anytime go to Europe or anything like that, like that's, you know, it they make sure and they take care of you free stuff is always cool or discounts or whatever but for me it's just the the support when you don't have your own stuff when you can't you're not gonna fly your drum kit over oh yeah hell no (laughs) absolutely insane so the fact that they can support you when you are like not at home that to me is the biggest reason to endorse a brand or like yeah like that is it you don't get that kind of support from like anything else. Like it's, I definitely want to test out, uh, Tama Brazil next time I'm there <laughs> or like, or something of that nature, you know, like, uh, uh you know, they all heard, okay, black diamond is coming to Brazil. So you're going to get hounded now. Well, great. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, if, if, uh, if Tama wants to fucking, you know, make it a little bit easier on us, like, um, we're never too, you know, in the weeds with like getting equipment. I mean, like sometimes it can, you know, be very questionable, but other times like we'll lock out and get like some pretty decent stuff and get pretty much everything that we ask for, you know? But, um, yeah, it's just some of those tours could be hard. Like, uh, if you're doing like a full South America one, you just got to like fly into every new country and you're like thousands of miles between, all these other guys and it's like all right is there a tama chile or like a tama you know argentina or whatever and because like it's like south america and that's kind of the only place that we play like consistently that that we're really relying on like uh gear to be given yeah a backline kit a different backline kit at every show exactly yeah yeah yeah. yeah. you're not traveling with any gear pretty much yeah and and that's nice uh because damn yeah the more that you can rely on your own shit that's great but i like you said um i should definitely hit them up and and just see what i can get because that would be super rad if uh if there's you know some support out there right yeah i don't know like when I, i didn't even think of that when i was looking into uh, endorsing brands or anything like that and then once I got with Mapex and they were offering all this stuff I was like oh like if you're, you're doing that like okay let's set you up with a kit I was like oh okay you'll do that like yeah <laughs> it's so sick you know like everybody just thinks oh well if I get like get sponsored by this brand then I'll get some free stuff or I'll get discounts I'm like that's great and all but that's you know just money like it's it's also a part of the hassle of having to set it all up and everything, but you're just like, 
here are the dates. This is what I need. And they're like, okay, taken care of. You know? Yeah. And they, they deal with all the headache bullshit of it. You know? Like, money's one thing. It, it comes and goes and everything. But the stress of touring to begin with. And then having to set up, like, all your own backlink gear and fucking this, uh-huh. that, and the other thing. Like, it's just, it's amazing when the company can support you and, and take care of all that stuff. For sure. You and know? and part of uh, part of setting up um, on a kit that's not yours uh, is, is like, a, a big time waster is just kind of, like, trying to figure out how to make it all work, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and that eats into your... Uh, your sound check time and you're just like time in general to be on stage without like having anybody uh in the venue yet and um yeah so if i could get like gear that i'm familiar with i think it would really cut down on needing to uh experiment essentially like uh with how you're gonna make shit work with either the drums or the hardware or both you know yeah oh dude i had we did a spain run last year where i was using house kits mm-hmm. the for all the dates uh, one was a festival so they had a festival kit which turned out being the worst kit out of all the dates <laughs> like yeah. hardware's just falling apart like it was a disaster but it was just pretty much using the other band's kit that was there and every day was a different setup you know like yeah. I could never get it exactly how I wanted it and I'm like I'm just gonna have to deal with it yeah, that's it. Like when you're in those situations, like for you guys, you're at the level where it's like, nah, like I need it how you want it, right? In order to play these songs, right, right, yeah. And and Adam Jarvis though was like, uh, you know, he said a number of years ago that like just playing on all the um, uh, weird setups that you inevitably have to do, like mm-hmm. in those early days and stuff, it just makes you a better drummer and yeah. like. Um, yeah, he's definitely not wrong. Cause like, I wasn't used to that. Like I kind of, uh, came up through, you know, drumming for bands in a really quick way, like to, to yeah. then joining Dahlia. So I kind of skipped all the, um, being in a, in a larger band that can go tour overseas and go like use, you know, house kits and things like that to all of a sudden, Oh, now I just have this. I have two sets of the same kit. Yeah, you're laughing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then, and but then, when I went into scenarios like going down to South America or going to a fly-in date at uh, a European festival, yeah, it really psyched me out because I wouldn't have like my gear and I'd be freaking out about how it was set up and and how I couldn't set it up and uh, or the the way that I wanted. And so. Um, you got spoiled. You yeah, got spoiled exactly. Really early on. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it wasn't by my own, you know, uh, designer or ability. <laughs> it was just kind of like, well, you're lucky. So great. Yeah. Was Abigail Williams one of the first like touring bands you played for? No. Um, I was in a band called The Breathing Process. And oh shit. Okay. I think I've played with Breathing process before okay cool yeah Yeah, they're out of connecticut and um i actually toured with or no no no, they toured with uh our front of house guys uh band wretched our our drummer or i mean our uh sound guy is uh marshall weiserick and um yeah so so they toured together before i was in their band and then that was my first touring one but then i was in 
another band after that that toured a little bit. <laughs> Actually, that Breathing Process, the second band, Karen Page, out of Ohio, like, I did two tours with them only, both bands, and then I ended up, like, quitting. And then Abigail was my third, but they were the first band that I got to go do big tours with. Like, right, uh, yeah, legit tours. Yeah, and... Yeah. um but I was playing their kit on that, but we didn't go to Europe, or I didn't go to Europe with them, and um, have to play on something different. And then that's uh, after that, I got into Dahlia. So the whole time period was only probably about like four or five years of being in bands before I jumped into this. Yeah, and and all those other tours and stuff, you'd have your kit with you, so you never really had yeah. to worry about it your, your setup yeah exactly it's always, it's always the flyout stuff and I, I remember uh i think john longstra talked about that as well about like you should be able to play on any setup because you never know if like you have to share kits with the opening band sometimes there's not enough room to have five kits in yeah. the venue you know so it's like you have to be prepared to like like reorganize your thoughts to be able to play on different setups and that is something that i also can't do and it really sucks because um it the muscle memory is like what i run off of mostly and so like to have three rack toms um and to take one of those away and be like okay you're only playing with two rack toms tonight and it's like but like I have so many fills that are written with a third one, and uh, dude, I had to play with one rack tom in oh fucking Vancouver. Oh my god! Yeah, one kick, one rack, two floors. But yeah, dude, it was it was weird. But I I was just like, whatever, it is what it is. I can't change this. Yeah, you know, we flew in to do this festival. Like, I got to play on the backline kit. It was silly. I was told there'd be two, but nope. Yeah, and and it just. I can't basically like transpose the ideas like on the fly, you know, right. like just moving shit to two toms and trying to extend the length of the fill to like uh, accommodate that. And, um, oh, I fucked up a lot of fills, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad I did not play great. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Dave McGraw, same thing. Like we played in Japan and he, he, uh, kind of, I guess, was using his like alternate kit set up and he was asking me, like, like, do you think you could ditch a Tom? Because, like, it'd make, you know, this changeover a little bit easier. And I'm like, dude, I wish I could. But I swear to God, if I do that, like, these will be some weird shows. Like, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, but going back to the initial thing, like, yeah, if you learn how to do all this stuff, like, you'll be a really well-rounded drummer. And just, like, you won't yeah. get thrown off in a lot of live scenarios with any like real potential things that could happen like just not having the shit that you want or or uh having to play with you know stuff that is still good but you just kind of get psyched out because it's not yours and it's not set up exactly the way that you want it or whatever yeah like dude even everything from like my snare height was different like everything felt so different mm -hmm. with that kit you know when usually i'll have the stool and the snare height how i want it but who cares how many toms? But it was so weird. I can't believe I pulled pulled off the set. To be honest, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, every the the stage sound is weird. Like, um, my ears were like sounded like garbage. Could barely hear Oof. the click. It, like, it was a disaster. But then I saw like footage from front of house, and I was like, wow, it sounded great. Yeah, you never yeah. think it, and then you just think back to when you were in that scenario. You're like, this feels terrible. <laughs> this is the worst. Yeah. yeah, I learned that like 
Okay, so like first two songs, I was in my head about it, and then I was like, okay, I I can't let the crowd know how terrible this is for me. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, just have fun, you know, do your best and have fun. That's why we I play drums in the first place. That's why most right. of us, you know, because it's a fun instrument. So I'm like, just have fun. And then after the show, everyone came up. He's like, I've never seen a drummer smile as much as you do. You know, I'm like, okay, well, for one, you haven't seen Bryce Butler play drums. Yeah, yeah, all right. right. <laughs> that guy is nonstop smiles all day, right? But thank you for the compliment. Like, it's, that's a compliment for me. I'm having fun up there, and you saw that, and, you know, hopefully that brought you a little bit of joy, too, so. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, Yeah, and usually if it's, if I'm, like, laughing a bunch, it's probably because I'm like, I can't believe all this shit that I'm fucking up. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, but I'm sure it sounds fine to the audience. That's the thing, man. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. We're, we're definitely our own worst critics when it comes to that shit. Uh huh. So it's like, uh, yeah. You do you play everything like as exact to the record as you can? Uh, yeah. I mean, I kind of pick and choose some of it the way that I do it. Like, uh, if there's certain fills that I'm not real into like uh for the first album unhallowed like uh there's a lot of the same fills like a lot of the same fills and they're uh they're different yeah. they're not just all like you know singles that are like but like um i'd say that there's probably like four or five like repeating fills throughout the whole album and so i'll try and keep some of that shit just so it's characteristic to the original yeah 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 but like if there's anything else that i'm feeling that i want to do i'll i'll throw that in and then when um you know when shannon joined uh he had kind of like learned things the way that he wanted to do it but it was close to the album and with like miasma and zach's drumming like it's really cool but it feels like he was maybe a little bit more like in the moment in, in the way that he recorded it. So like, yeah. it's not, um, there's not repeating stuff. Like there is later on in, in, um, uh, other Dolly albums with like Shannon and Shannon had yeah. like, uh, parts like fills that he would write where if that's what he was doing during the chorus, that's what he's going to do the next time during the chorus. Whereas like right. Zach might, play something one time and then change it up the next time and so you never know exactly yeah. what you're gonna get it's like this is the transition from the verse to the chorus yeah always always right? and that, except maybe the last going into the last chorus we might do something different but that's yeah written yeah, yeah. when so, miasma was like not as like written out just like in the studio hit record right and, and so like um with uh, Zach stuff, I tried to learn it very close to what he does because I like the style that he had on that album. Like, it sounds really cool. He's got a lot of really cool drum beats and, yeah. and fills and things. But uh, it also made more sense to learn something like Miasma that felt a little bit more chaotic with, like, the the fills and how they don't repeat all the time. Um, Shannon watching live videos of him, he had like a system where it was like, okay, yeah. So when we go into this part, here's that fill. And then when we go into this part, here's that fill and it, yeah. like repeating stuff. 
And so then I kind of like took the the two of their styles and blended them. So I was like, all right, now I I definitely know what I'm doing for fills and it works really simply, but then I can add in little accents and and uh blasts or something that he was doing uh that Zach was doing on the original. So yeah. that's yeah. kind of what I do is just take any mashup of the shit that I want and just and make it work for me. Yeah. So uh when you're rehearsing though like you'll take everything from rehearsals and like dial it in and then just do that live. Right? Yeah. You're not really like, cause a lot of times I'll just make shit up live just to keep the rest of the band on their toes. Oh man. You know? <laughs> well, my guys are definitely not of that nature. Like they all like to have a very, uh, you know, like solid show in terms of like yeah it's always pretty much going to be the same fills like if i do yeah. something different mm-hmm. it's probably because i like messed something up and it just came up like it came out some other way and it's not necessarily terrible but it's also kind of like a little nerve-wracking if you were like oops didn't do that the way that i was like practicing or playing it all on this tour but it just i don't know when everybody knows what you're gonna do and when you know what you're gonna do it does get really boring like but at the same time you're never like worried about you know uh like if they're gonna fucking mess it up and also um when you uh uh hear something different it kind of throws you off like depending on what kind of band you're in because if it's if it's like if you're used to people doing different things all the time then you're not thinking about it but like if you're hearing a different fill or a different melody or a different like you know solo or whatever those those details can kind of get distracting if you've just been listening to it the same night after night and year after year, you know? Yeah, even at rehearsal the other day, I did a fill that went over the bar mm-hmm. when it's supposed to kick into the next part right away, and they could look at me like, what the fuck was that? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm trying something new. Didn't work, okay? Like, right. I won't do it live, all right? Yeah. Yeah, and that's, like, that's definitely fun. It's just... Yeah. uh yeah, this is this is just kind of how everything rolls with us, but it just it makes it feel like all right, kind of get into autopilot and just Dude. make sure that it all works. <laughs> it kind of makes it easier too. Yeah, if you have days you're run down or whatever, and you're just like you can go up there. Your body knows what to do night after night. It's fine, you know. Yeah, you're completely. Good. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Well, dude, I think that you have a show to play soon, so we should probably (laughs) wrap this up. You know, we're sitting across from the Phoenix Concert Theater. Phoenix Concert Theater (laughs) in Toronto. (laughs) Never been here before, first time? Yeah, man, it's sick. I remember the first time that I met you was at the Mod Club, I believe. It must have been one of your first tours with BDM. Okay. Uh, club and then we went and we smoked bowls outside nice (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. um is that downstairs club no street level oh okay okay i'm sure if i fucking walked in there i know exactly what it is but like it's not called the mod club anymore it's called club axis but okay either way yeah i think you guys did a couple shows there uh it's a little smaller so tonight tonight will be fucking good though. Phoenix sound is usually pretty sick, so yeah, it looks like a nice big room. I just kinda missed the um the kind of like castle dungeon feeling of the opera house the that we're in every house. time. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean in the backstage area and all that. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The backstage, like underneath the stage. Yeah. A lot of it's, low, like ceilings, a lot of like narrow hallways. And, and it's like kind of dimly lit down there. It, it definitely has like castle vibes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, dude, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's sick. It's, it's kind of gross, but you know, it's a, it's a pretty sweet backstage. I do, I do enjoy it. Yeah, man. All right, well, thanks for joining me on uh, this podcast, man. It's been a blast hanging out and uh, talking some drums. Yeah, man. I'm glad we got to do it, and uh, hopefully, it won't be another five years before we're back again. <laughs> yeah, fuck. I hope not. <laughs>